morning, we're going to begin in 2 Chronicles chapter 17. 2 Chronicles chapter 17. This is when Jehoshaphat became king of Judah. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the ways of his father David and did not seek after Baal, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches in abundance and honor in abundance. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and the wooden images from Judah. Judah had become a corrupt nation of idol worship and everything else. And like his father Asa, he went about to remove all the idols and everything else. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. And is it no wonder that his kingdom was established, just like David's kingdom was established. In verse 9 it says, So they took in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kings, kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah. So they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat greatly. We go to chapter 19 and verse 3. This is after the Lord rebukes Jehoshaphat for, go, for helping uh, at King Ahab, the evil king of Israel. Now, just to let everybody know that the questions at the end of the meeting today will be on today's lesson. So everybody wants to get the answers to the questions. Young folks, children, pay, pay close attention because the answers are in what we're going to be reading and talking about today. <clears throat> verse 2, 2 Chronicles 19.2 And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the, the prophet, went out to meet him and said to Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, and that you have removed the wooden images from the land, and that prepared your heart to seek the Lord. So Jehoshaphat dwelt in Jerusalem, and he went out among, again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. And he set judges in the land throughout all fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed to what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you in the judgment. Now therefore let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it. For there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, <clears throat> no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Moreover in Jerusalem, for the judgment of the Lord and for controversy, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and some of the chief fathers of Israel when they returned to Jerusalem. And he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act 
in the fear of the Lord, faithfully with a loyal heart. This is a great king, a great man of God, and you can see how he ruled in the fear of God and how he wanted justice and righteousness and fairness in his, uh, under his rule. And he, tra- and he trained the people under him to be fair and just and to do things in the fear of God. <clears throat> Very admirable, godly man. But then when we get to chapter 20, it says, It happened that after this, that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon, and with others besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. And then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they're in Hazar Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. He said, well, such a righteous man and such a godly man and such a man who feared the Lord, why would God bring such a, a huge army? Three countries, three nations, gather together and they decide they're going to go into Israel and wipe Israel out. They're going to exterminate them. That was their plan. Extermination of Israel. But we understand from everything we've been studying that with the people of God, Jesus said there'd be tribulation, trouble. So instead of questioning why there's trouble, we should set it in our heart, like it or not, whether we enjoy it or not, the Christian life is going to be one of tribulation. In this life, Jesus said, you will have tribulation. And so, we should just prepare ourselves ahead of time because trouble's coming. Coming in different forms, in different ways. Things that go deep into our heart, to the very core of our being. You know. Tribulation. And so this great man of God, this great king of Judah, has to come upon him too. And it says he proclaims a fast throughout all Judah. So all of Judah gathered together, they asked help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Jesus taught us that we should come together to pray. He taught us about the prayer of agreement. Where he says, where, He says that. Where two or three come together in His name, there, he is in the midst, there he, God is in the midst of that. That's where Jesus is in the midst of us. He already lives in our hearts, but when we come together to pray, Jesus said, if two or more of you agree concerning anything they shall ask, it will be done by my Father in heaven. Because where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And that's why when we come together, we come together to pray the prayer of agreement. And with the promise that God will answer our prayer. And you see, this didn't just start in the New Testament. It started way back before that. And here's an example of it. There's other examples in the Old Testament in Israel, but you see this here. The king of Judah calls a fast, and he gathered them together. Let's come together and pray together. 
They all could have just prayed in their own homes and just sat at home. Yeah, we'll all pray about that. And they should. But there's another aspect of church life, of body life, the body of Christ. And that is coming together to pray. And we should not take it lightly because Jesus our Lord taught us about it. And the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And that's one of the things that Jesus taught us about praying. That we should pray together. We come together in the men's meeting, in the ladies' meeting, not only to study the Bible, not just the Bible study. first thing to do is, is to come together and pray together. Talk about our prayers and then pray about them together. That's one of the functions of the church. As well as getting together during the week to pray and doing different things to pray. It's something we shouldn't take lightly. It's a very serious thing. Whenever we meet with each other, there's things that are hard to pray about. Hey, let's pray about this. Let's pray about that, about that. Even if we just come over for a few minutes, say, let's pray about this, let's pray about that. What would you like to pray about? doesn't have to be when there's three countries, not, not just when three countries are coming together against like this. Not just for the most severe things, but for all the things that are troubling us and are on our hearts. Pray the prayer of agreement. So they gathered to verse 4 again. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. They traveled to this prayer of agreement to come together. It's amazing. When the gun is pointed at you, how spiritual we can be. I remember him talking, hearing a preacher talking about when he was in South Korea. And he said he was astonished because he went to a prayer meeting in that church at 4.30 in the morning. And he said the place was packed with brothers and sisters coming together to prayer. And the preacher went on to say, you know, it's amazing when you have tanks and, and missiles and everything across the border being pointed at you and the great threat that's on their lives. It's amazing the passion that can be stirred up in you when there's such danger around you. That's the way it was with the early church. They were a persecuted church. Oh, they knew how to pray. Remember the other week when we, we read about Peter in prison and how the church was gathering together to pray at night. In the middle of the night. <clears throat> in verse 5, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Don't you rule over the kingdoms of nations? <clears throat> and in your hand, is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? As we read this prayer of Jehoshaphat, 
you see what he's doing. He's bringing into recognition before all of Judah the greatness of God, the greatness of His power. And no one can withstand His power. And all the great things He has done. As He continues on, Aren't you the God? Aren't you our God? Who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? And gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwelt in it, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. And so that's why they were there, because that was the Word of God. God had promised that. That they came to the, and the a part of the Old Covenant was that they came to this place and called out to the Lord in that place, that the Lord would hear and save them. And so there they were, and that's what they were doing. They were being faithful to trust in the, in the Word of the Lord in their time of trial. And then he goes on in verse 10. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade. And now here they are, the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. And here they are rewarding us by coming up to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. What King Jehoshaphat is referring to is something that happened earlier when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, that God would not let them invade or do anything to harm the children of Ammon or Moab or Mount Seir. Why is that? Well, God gave the reason back then. He said the children of Moab and Ammon, He says they're the descendants of Lot. So you're not, I'm not going to let you go in there. That's, I gave that to them for possession. And He said Mount Seir, it's also called Edom, He says, I gave that to the descendants of Esau. He said, so you're not to invade them or do them any harm. And you see the faithfulness to God and His covenants right there. The descendants of Abraham. And so, God had respect for them because they were descendants of Abraham. And Jehoshaphat's had to bring them out and say, and now look how they're rewarding us for what, the favor you showed them. He's bringing up the history of this conflict. Look how good we were to them, and now look what they're doing in return. So he's bringing out all the aspects of this problem. He's seeking the Lord in detail, you see. And that's important. When we really take the time to really seek the Lord, to go into the detail of it. Verse 12. 
O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, there's times in our life, maybe right now, some of us are going through it, but there are things that are well beyond our control. And sometimes we just try to take control and try to manipulate things and force things and, quote, take control of situations and be pushy and overbearing to people. We see people that are unsaved or backslidden or we see things happening to people we love, children, parents, you know, and people that God has brought into our life, they're not walking right. They're in danger. They're in darkness. They're on the road to destruction. And we're just going to make them see how wrong they are. And we're going to make them see and we're going to make them understand it's a big mistake. Because we're not acting out of faith. Our faith is not in the power of God. God gives us openings. He gives us times where He gives us a word to speak. In the book of Proverbs it says, A word spoken at the right time is like apples of gold in the setting of silver. I guess that's a work of art. How nice and how beautiful that would look. Just right. I've never seen that, but I imagine that would look really good. And so... The word spoken at the right time. The action taken at the right time. When God opens the door, that we walk through it. And we speak the word as God, the Holy Spirit leads us. But not to take control. Not to do things out of panic, or desperation, or fear, or anxiety. Not to act that way. That's the way of the world. That's the way the world acts. We're doing the flat work of the flesh. If we hold our finger there, and we go to Hebrews chapter 4, which we've referred to several times in recent weeks. In verse 1 it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering God's rest, let us fear, since any of you seem to have come short of it. Verse 3 it says, for we who believe do enter that rest. Verse 9 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Verse 10, pay attention. For he who has entered God's re his rest, God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. God created the world on the seventh day. He rested. And He says there's a rest for us too. And how do we enter that rest? By It says right here, by ceasing from our own works, from our own way, from our natural reasoning, from taking control of things that are beyond our control, doing things out of desperation, instead of putting our faith in the power of God. And you see the recognition of Jehoshaphat. 
These things, this is beyond our control. This is more people than we can beat in a natural sense. This is, this is an overwhelming number of armies here. Three nations gathered against us. He says, we don't have power, any power against this. We're going to be exterminated. But our eyes are on you. We're looking to you. He says, is there not power with you? He's calling on the Lord and recognition of His powers. Isn't there power with you? Nobody can stand before you. The recognition, you are our answer. Your power is our answer and nothing else. I remember one time, there was a brother that came to me and said, boy, this is a really bad situation you're in. He said, what are you going to do about it? I said, well, we're praying about it. He goes, no, that's not what I mean. He says, what are you going to do about it? I says, you don't know what I mean. I says, we are praying about it. We're putting this in God's hands. I mean, if God gives us things to do, we're going to do them. But right now, we're just waiting on the Lord. And one of the statements that people say in Christendom a lot, we say it all the time, it's like, well, all we can do is pray. Like, it's like, that's all we can do. It's like, you know, like this retiring attitude. All we can do is pray. That's not a very confident outlook on prayer. And the power of God to change situations. And that God hears us. And He loves us. It's the opposite of desperation and panic. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. It was interesting this morning because Justin was talking to me this morning while we were setting up about how that the Lord had put Hebrews 4 in his heart also. About entering God's rest. And, you know, Entering God's rest and trusting God prevents us from falling into rebellion. You see the children of Israel, when it talks in chapter 3 of Hebrews here, it talks about their unbelief. They couldn't couldn't enter in because of unbelief. And it says they couldn't enter in because of disobedience. Well, which one was it? It was both. Their hardness of heart, their unbelief, led to their rebellion and their disobedience. In one place in the New Testament it actually says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Let us be diligent to enter that rest. To rest from our own works. We must enter from our own works. That means a different mindset. A mindset of what is God? Where is God leading? How does God want me to pray? Is there something I should do? God, show me. But resting from our own works. Just say, hey, this seems good. I think I'll do this. Hey, that sounds like a good idea. I'm going to do that. And just being like all over the place and being a mess. This is the opposite. This is ordered by the Holy Spirit. 
It says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. So we go back to Second Chronicles. We have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are on You. Lord, we don't know what to do. we got to be humble ourselves about it. And not try to say, well, I know this and that. We have to be humble about these things and say, God knows. You know, Lord. I don't know what to do. I could push a lot of buttons you know, in, in my fear and my panic and my anxiety. Or I could lay all that fear and anxiety and panic aside and turn my eyes to You, Lord Jesus. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to pray? We always think, well, Dave and I talked about this. I think he mentioned a few weeks in the meeting. Oh, I know, you know, if if God, you know, God, if you only do this, then they'll be changed. God, if you only do this, then this will be fine. And stop it. We don't really know the hearts of men. We look on the outward appearance, it says, but God looks upon the heart, which is the real issue where people's hearts need to be changed. When people aren't walking right, it's an issue of the heart. And only God can see into the heart. And only what He reveals to us about a person's heart. Verse 13. Now all Judah with their little ones, wives, and children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jezel, son of Zechariah, in the midst of the assembly, and he said, Listen, all the inhabitants of Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Therefore go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. they didn't know what to do well the Lord told them what to do you go out and you stand over here and he says and stand still take your position cease from your own works enter God's rest stand in the Lord stand fast in the Lord in the power of his might And see the salvation of our Lord. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Do we hear those words anywhere else? Sure we do. Stand still and see the salvation of God. It's in Exodus. When the children of Israel backed up to the Red Sea. And they're all in a panic. Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of God. Take your position. 
And what is the position? Rest, standing still. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, which shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. That's the place the Holy Spirit is leading us. This place of inner peace. This place of rest in Him. So we're not out pushing all the buttons. <coughs> Let the Lord drive. And we just sit in the back seat. That doesn't mean we never do anything. There's plenty for us as Christians to do. But we understand our place. And in this, there was a time for the children of Judah to go out in battles against armies. But this was not that time. This was that time for them to be still. So the Lord directed them what to do. They could have, he could have told them, go out and attack them in this place and they're going to run from you. No. Just stand still. And rest. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord. Worshipping the Lord. At the end of verse 17, which I forgot to comment on, it says, Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Isn't that really what it's all about? When Moses was afraid to go before Pharaoh, the Lord said to him, Go, for I will be with you. When Gideon was afraid to go out against the Midianites and lead Israel, and he was timid about it and fearful, the Lord said, Go, because I will be with you. Jesus said, Behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord is with us. We're walking with Him. We're in Christ. He's with us. And if God before us, who can be against us? Verse 19, Then the Levites of the children of the Kohites and the children of the Korites set up to praise the Lord God of Israel without voices and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they stood and, and went out, as they went out, Joseph had stood and said, Hear me, O Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe in His prophets. Believe His prophets, and you shall prosper. He's encouraging them to believe God, to believe what God said, to believe His Word. And so look what happens next. In verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and should praise the beauty of His holiness. And they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for His mercies endure forever. <clears throat> I guess when the Midianites, I mean the Ammonites and all those other armies took a look. They must have scratched their heads saying, look at this. 
They might have even been licking their chops, saying, look at this, they're coming against us. And they put the singers in the front. Praising the Lord. What kind of strategy is this? Put the choir in the front. We read in Hebrews chapter 11, we refer to it, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. And here's evidence of faith. God said He was going to do it. They heard God's Word. They believed it. Now they're going to put the choir in the front. And they're going to praise the Lord. Verse 22, Now when they began to sing and praise, to praise, the Lord set ambushes against Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Mo Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill them and destroy them. And when they had made the end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy each other. And when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and there were the dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. You see, when we see obstacles and problems, not only can we not figure it out, we have no idea how God can figure it out. Some situations look positively impossible. But that's why the angel said, for, with God, nothing shall be impossible. He said that when he announced the virgin birth. It was either to Mary or to... I think it was to Mary. My point is, is that no matter how fortified the fortresses look, no matter how big the giants look, the giants are in the land, that if the Lord is with us and we seek the Lord diligently, those mountains are going to be moved, those walls are going to come down. They have been praying and those mountains haven't come down yet. Stay in the fight for however long we need to. Peter said in 1 Peter that if we're distressed if necessary by various trials, that the testing of our faith is patience. Our faith is going to be tested. That's what these trials are all about. And if we come through as gold, it's going to make us a stronger, more mature, and wiser Christian. We're going to learn that this really works. The power of God is real. It wasn't just in the days of the elders and the fathers and the apostles. The power of God is still here today. He's still here. And His promises haven't changed. It says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He hasn't changed and neither has his words. As Peter said, the, the flower wilts, the grass burns up, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We can stake our lives on it. Verse 29, And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. When they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, and then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. You know, it's not the first time we read that in the, in the, in the, in the story of Jehoshaphat. I read that, I believe, in chapter 17 and verse 10. And the fear of the Lord fell in all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, but did not make war against Jehoshaphat. There it is there too. What is that telling you? God was in control. The fear of the Lord was upon all the nations around Israel before this incident and after that incident. God was in control. And nobody would attack him, his nation, before or after that. It was only when God allowed him to be tested this way that happened. Even in our darkest times, facing the biggest obstacles, troubled with temptations and trials, God is in control. And if we put our hope in Him and believe the good report, because that's what this is all about, what we've been talking about. Whatsoever things are of a good report, think on these things. And not listen to that evil report. Because it dogs us every day and comes after us every day. The evil report. All the bad things, the negative things, the disasters, the catastrophes that are going to befall us. And we feel desperate. Sometimes when we feel frustrated, we feel anxious. Put our trust in Him. Believe the good report and continue in that good report and rest from our own works to enter into God's rest. He who rests, he who enters God's rest, rests from his own works as God did from his. There is a rest for the people of God. You should meditate on that because it says something very powerful. We enter God's rest and we stay there as we. Rest from our own works. We walk in faith in God. Faith in the power of God. Apostle Paul said, all these things happen to us, all these problems happen to us, so that we would learn to trust in the power of God, put our faith in the power of God, and not in ourselves, not in our own works. So the very things that are coming into our life, the tribulations, are meant to teach us to rest from our own works, to rest in the power of God, for our faith in the power of God. It was good enough for an apostle, it's good enough for us. Brother David, I'm going to 
Open up with you. Your brothers want to comment? I think always sticks out to me about the way Jehoshaphat started. It says that he cleared all of the hills in the land of the idols, of, you know, that the people had been worshiping. And that was the first step that is necessary for any of us, you know, for them as a nation. But if you overlay that on each one of our individual lives, that's the first thing that's necessary for us as well. We have to we have to prepare our hearts to seek the Lord. We can't just you know seek the Lord if we've been sinning. There has to be a reckoning, an acknowledgement of the sin, a repentance and a turning away from it, and then a cleansing of our our heart and our mind and our spirit, so that we can go before God with confidence and, and ask God for great things. But if we do that, God is faithful as he shows here, you know. And and Jehoshaphat, you know, was a great leader because he had the courage to, to tell his people we had been sinning and to command them to turn back to God. And then once that was done, he and they heard about the army coming against them, he proclaimed a great fast for everyone. And that, that you know, level of, of um, dedication to come before God as a, as a nation, you know, and, and be cleansed of sin and, and fast and put their whole face toward God, not, not allowing you know, themselves to look anywhere else for their answer, but only to God. That's what pleases God. And every time any of us do that, God is going to answer us. And he's going to, he's going to not only hear us, but answer us. But we can't pretend, and sometimes I think we all have, that we get in trouble and we can just go to God when we know that we have been sinning, when we know that we have not been faithful to God, that we have been doing things or allowing things in our lives that have become idols, and now all of a sudden, because we're in trouble, we're running to God. We have to be cleansed first. So Jehoshaphat made that point so strong in chapters 17 through 19, yep. you know, and then and if we're in that place where we've been sinning, that doesn't mean we shouldn't come to God. But when we come to God, the first thing He's going to do, if we're if we're going to humble ourselves before the Lord, He's going to start to point all the things that we need to repent of, you need to get right. You know that He's not He's not a personal genie; He's our Lord. Yeah.